All right, time once again for Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being here. Gary Hill here. This is going to be a fun conversation. I'm glad you're with us today. We're going to talk with David Hesslink, who's part of the Mariner's front office. He's the assistant director of baseball projects, and he's going to talk about some of those projects coming up in a few minutes. And he had a very unique journey to get to the Mariner's front office. We're going to talk about that. Uh, MIT graduate, a pitcher at MIT, and actually spent a year or two pitching and the Mariners system. So we're going to talk about that, uh, talk to him. It's it's a fun conversation as we get a chance to get to know him a little bit. And it will not be the last time we talk to him. It was really great. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Mariners are fortunate to have him. So that will come up in just a second. First, though, I want to pass this along. So I've asked for requests as kind of we move through this offseason. And it's funny that one of the things, especially when, whenever my project comes up of digitizing our library, our vast Mariners library, and I always get requests for specific games. And if there'll ever be an outlet to have all the games that people can grab, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I think eventually, I mean, I hope eventually to make that happen where, I don't know, there's a library that exists out in the world of all these Mariner games and people can just go grab them. That does not exist yet. Uh, and it, I don't think in the near future that is going to happen, but I would like to make that happen down the road. In the meantime, I think this is what we'll do because I, I get this request often. So I'm going to try and I'm going to do the best I can to fill the request. So I think what we'll do is if ever you want a specific game, Send me an email, marinerspot at mariners.com, or tweet me at Gary Hill Jr., and just make a game request. So once or twice a week, I will put up uh, an entire game, and I'll, I won't say anything, or I'll just put up the full game. So uh, it will be there. It will live on the pod stream, and you can download it, and you can always have it and do whatever you want with it. So uh, in the meantime, if there's – a game or two that you really want and that I have, I'll just start putting them out uh, a couple times a week. So that will kind of be the plan as we move through this offseason. So just uh, send your requests my way. That should be fun. Uh, yeah. So we'll start doing that, I don't know, as soon as we get requests. Uh, in the meantime, why don't we start our conversation with David Hesslink? Well, David, it's great to talk to you. And before we kind of talk about your role and what you're doing with the Mariners, take us back. Take us back to the beginning. How did you get into this? When did you know you wanted to do this? How did it all start for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the baseball has been a fabric of part of the fabric of who I am for a really long time since I was a kid, started playing in T-ball. I grew up in a military family, and so baseball was what – tied me together from each kind of different station that we wound up. And that was how I would meet new friends and sort of find my way back into the next community. Um, and then I, I knew from a young age, I wanted to go on and play college baseball. And that was what, what brought me towards MIT and what brought me to playing there um, with a great program there. Um, and obviously a lot of great opportunities outside of the program as well. Um, I first realized that I could go into baseball for longer than just a playing career about my sophomore year of, of college. Um, I had, when I showed up at my freshman year, I was sold on becoming the next Randy Johnson and that was going to be my path in life. And then that quickly became not the case. Um, and so 
my path from there, uh, as I was working my way through university, I started exploring what existed in the realm of baseball analytics. And I started working on some projects and found my way, uh, into the Tampa Bay front office for an internship after my junior year. And then, um, at the end of my senior year was drafted by the Mariners late in the, uh, 2017 draft and went to go pitch for the Aqua Sox for one year and quickly pitched my way right back into the analytics side of things. <laughs> were you expected to be drafted when you were done playing? I think it was, it was a long shot. Um, they, it just in general coming out of it, being a D three pitcher, uh, there's not a lot of D three players that go every year in the draft. They probably like 10 give or take. So, um, you know, I think, uh, going into the year, it wasn't something that I necessarily expected to happen, but it was an opportunity that was, that was fantastic to have, um, just super small world coincidence after moving all over the country growing up, I wound up going right back to my mom's hometown. She was a graduate of Everett high school. Um, and my grandmother still lives in the area. So she was my host family while I was out there. So it was a really fun, small world, uh, summer. That's amazing. So you were the winningest pitcher in MIT history, right? Give us a scouting report. What were you as a pitcher? Right. So I think it's anytime we talk about being the winningest pitcher in MIT history, it's important to point out that I played for the winningest teams in MIT history. We had like, you know, especially as a pitcher, we, uh, you know, there's only so much you control in the field and we had a you know, great lineup scoring a lot of runs and a great team. It was just generally a great time to be an MIT engineer. Um, but no, as a pitcher, um, my calling card in college, I stayed on the field and threw a lot. Um, I was able to, stay healthy for four years while I was there and through as a soft toss and lefty fastball and change up mostly, um, usually staying on the outer half of the plate and trying to just trick it, trick hitters and outsmart them because I didn't have the raw overpowering stuff to blow it right by him in the strike zone. So was there a moment playing in Everett that you knew like, you know, my playing career is probably not going to happen in the front office is more likely than not. Yep. It was in Hillsborough. Um, and I, I believe it was an O one count and I was a left-handed batter up and uh, I decided the right thing to do was to give him my best fastball and beat him in on his hands. And the ball was deposited into the right field seats without much hesitation. And that was when I was like, if that was my best fastball and he hit it over the fence that easily, this probably isn't going to last for a super long time. What was it like though? Uh, being a professional baseball player for a season. You know, it was a complete, an experience that I couldn't have gotten any other way. It was, it was everything that I had hoped it would be. I, I told people that it's one of the few times I can think of in life where I had a dream and it, it lived up to those expectations. I feel like a lot of time you hear stories, people that have dreams and they get to the, the promised land and it's not quite what they thought or the grass wasn't quite as green. And I, I thought, I thought it was awesome. The community and Everett was great. Um, the atmosphere at the ballpark was super fun. Um, it was, I had been to minor league games on and off, but hadn't lived that lifestyle day to day. And just, seeing all of the families at the stadium and seeing the, the kind of atmosphere, the small town, the like the small stadium where everybody's right on top of you. Um, it was a, a really unique experience and one that'll certainly stay with me for the rest of my days. Is there anything in that experience that helps you with what you do now? Absolutely. I think um, one of the, the things that was really unique from just how quickly I transitioned from playing to front office is seeing how things go day to day and then seeing the perspective of how things are for lack of a better word, supposed to go day to day. And then seeing where those differences lie in just the different perspectives that people bring to the game was really interesting. Um, and so like there were things at the time where like I transitioned back into our front office and I saw some of the cutting edge analytical 
tools that we have to help players get better and the things that I hadn't been exposed to on a day-to-day basis or I maybe seen but weren't a part of our regular process on the field um, and seeing that those tools were available but not you know they we we they were ready to be used but weren't hadn't fully been um, integrated into the daily processes down on the field was I think something that is a hard like it's hard to get that perspective unless you're in both atmospheres within pretty close proximity to each other so talk about your transition to the front office. What, how would you describe your current role? So right now I work on our baseball projects team. Um, our job with the baseball projects team is to take all of the analytics that we're spitting out from our really sharp analytics team and help package it and make it digestible and actionable for everybody who's not on our analytics team within the Mariners organization. So that for the most part involves working in three main areas, um, player acquisition and, and scouting and making sure that our scouts have all the information they need to help us find the best Mariners player development and coaching and helping our coaching staffs at all levels, figure out how to make players become the best versions of themselves. And then the last piece is our in-game strategy piece and preparing for each upcoming opponent are the three main silos we work in. But uh, in general, the we're trying to make sure that in all of those areas where we're making decisions about baseball, we're using our best information. You described that really well and succinctly, but that is a massive undertaking. When you consider the hundreds of players, the dozens of coaches, I mean, you're talking about a lot of different players, people that you're getting information to, right? It, re- it really is. Um, and I think this is, I think the fascinating part of the challenge is that working within professional baseball specifically, the hard part isn't how do we play good baseball? It's how do we play good baseball at scale? It's how do we do it with a hundred players? And we're like, if you're working with a specific player, in your hometown, you and that player have the whole offseason to work together, but we're faced with, we have a team that needs to work with a hundred minor league pitchers, not one minor league pitcher. And those, those, that creates a whole set of challenges that um, are really fascinating to work through combining some of the technology piece that I picked up through my education with, of course, the interpersonal and the baseball pieces that I've picked up from my time on the field and around the Mariners organization. I know you've been heavily involved too in some the draft process, and that is an enormous undertaking. Uh, walk us through some of what you're doing with the draft. Yeah, this year um, it was a very tricky year from a draft perspective, just because our traditional mold for the draft room had to be flipped on its head because of the uh, global pandemic. Um, so our typical draft room setup is kind of like a war room setup where there's tables laid out and there's whiteboards in the corners and there's video screens playing videos of players we're talking about. And we have clickers for taking different votes on different players that we might want to take in different hypothetical situations as we work through them. And this year we had all those same conversations, but couldn't do it all in person. And so um, a lot of the quarantine time from earlier this summer was spent building all of that virtually. So building out a internal virtual location that holds all the players that we're considering drafting with all of the scouting information that we have and the analytical information that we have with some virtual whiteboard space for us to sort our different virtual magnets of players. Cause we don't, we usually do have like whiteboards of physical magnets and we can't do that in, in a virtual world. Um, and so tackling the challenge of how to not just keep stay continuous with what we've done in the past, but also try to keep improving our process and making it more seamless given the challenges of 2020. It was a really fascinating project to work on. I bet because the draft is complicated enough. Right? Oh yeah. Year, because you're talking about, I, I'm always amazed when you consider, you know, you're talking about a high school kids, you're talking about major college, small college, junior college. I mean, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of players and 
that challenge alone is difficult enough, but especially in a year like this, I mean, that, that provided a massive challenge. It did. And I think, you know, just to give a sense of the scope, when I was drafted in 2017, there were literally more than a thousand players drafted before me. And that's, that's a ton, you know, for, for one scouting team or one scouting director to go through and have familiarity with that many players to the level of comfort where they can say, you know, cause the draft moves fast, given that these four players went off the board, who would I want now? It's a very challenging ex- uh, exercise. And I think that Scott Hunter and the rest of our team do a great job with it. Yeah. Especially if you get past the first round, I remember the old conference calls with the draft where, I mean, it would just be ripping off one name after another. I mean, it's, it moves lightning fast. You have to be ready. Yeah, indeed. The only saving grace this year was that the, the draft was shorter because of the pandemic. And so we didn't, we didn't get into the rapid fire 20 rounds at the end, but um, there was certainly still a ton of preparation that went into it and um, credit to our team. I think there's consensus among our entire group that we, we landed great players and are excited about our direction moving forward. Are the things you did because of the circumstances this year that you would like to continue to do during normal times? Yeah, for sure. I think we were able to, um, because everything was virtual and we had sort of virtual whiteboard space, we were able to collect people's opinions in a kind of centralized location. Um, and I think that that's going to be really impactful for us moving forward is continuing to find ways to most efficiently and accurately aggregate what the evaluators that we have in the room are thinking. Um, and so we were, because we were forced to move to a world where you can't just ask somebody what you think, we had to find ways to pass information in ways that were a little bit stickier and were able, we were able to sort of digest that information in a couple different ways and give us some different looks at what, not about the players, but about our own internal opinions on what we're thinking on each player so that we can have a good pulse of what our room is thinking as we go through the draft preparation process. What do you like most about what you do? Oh man. I think it's the, it's the feeling of going into whether it's actually walking into the stadium or in these days walking, you know, from my kitchen to my bedroom, <laughs> coming into the day excited for every day. There's always something a little bit different. It's always something that's baseball related, uh, which resonates really strongly with what I've been passionate about for a really long time. And I think that the feeling of I'm excited to go work on whatever series of projects are at the top of the table with, the people that we have on our team um, who across the organization are, are really fun and like organized and hardworking people that are just as passionate as I am. And like getting to do this kind of work in the kind of atmosphere that we do it in is irreplaceable. I think about the age we're in all the time, just the information and the possibilities. Have you thought about the next frontier of information where this is all going to go next? Oh man. I think there's a ton of different things that are kind of percolating up on the side. Some are more far out than others. I think my two cents is that the next frontier is uh, less on what's the next information and more on how do we make the information that we have now more consistent and more understood and more transparent. Um, and I think that when you get to a point where I think we have at this point enough information around us that we can answer almost any question about baseball that we want to answer. And now it's a question of, can we educate the people that work with the manager's organization on how all of our different processes work and the information and that we have and what it means and how to bring it to life day to day. Are there any questions you can't answer at this point? Oh boy. Um, there's sometimes I wish I could, this is a small, like when I'm watching games, 
I just want to be able to know what's going through people's heads. I think it's super fascinating to think about players. Like when this pitcher is stepping on the mound or he steps off, off the rubber to look at the runner on first, or the hitter is coming into the box in a big moment and the crowd's getting loud, like being able to see what, what are you thinking about? What kind of emotions are you feeling? How are you handling those? And maybe what's different between different players? How do the greats do it versus how do some people that struggle do it? And like, I think that would be super fascinating, but it's also very sci-fi to be able to have any shot at understanding. <laughs> it's a great point. It's the human element, right? It's the part that we'll never be able to measure, but it's the part we'd all love to be able to measure to know exactly what's going on in, in situations like that. I mean, think about that all the time and watching the world series, for example, when everything is on the line, like what is going through their mind? I mean, what's the heartbeat like in that situation? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's impossible to quantify, but also su super important. And like, and that's definitely a perspective that I have coming off of the many years of playing is that I know there were days when I was going well and I was in a good headspace and there were days and I was going bad when I was succumbing to pressure or, you know, feeling external stimuli and like trying to navigate that is I think a central part of what makes baseball interesting to watch and to play. Absolutely. Well, this has been fun. This has been a great conversation. It's been great to get you to, to know you a little bit and what you do. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk. Thank you so much. We really Awesome. Thanks, Gary.